Uh, should you, uh, we, I guess we should have figured out before we record, start recording. Do you want to start or should I start? You start. I mean, you start. You start. Okay. Welcome to the audio intro for the video podcast. A vi- video pod, is that what they call them? Video podcasts? Uh, I don't any, know. Uh, whatever. The video vlogs? No, that vlog is vlog. very outdated. No, I can't keep up. Okay, whatever they're called, the YouTube show, uh, Roll the Dice with D&D. I am Damien Abraham, and with me is my friend and one of the greatest front people of all time, Danko Jones. Danko, how you doing, buddy? Oh, what a wonderful intro. Thanks, Damien. Um, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Well, uh, <laughs> well nice I, to be here, and uh, it's an honor to do this with you. Well, it's an honor to get to do this show with you. This is something that you and me have been working on. Off and on during the pandemic. <laughs> kind of working on. Yeah. It's going to be many when people finally see these episodes begin to roll out as like, you know, I go from having a full head of hair to bald by the, by the end of the uh, duration of these episodes, because it feels like we started recording them forever ago, but they're finally coming out. Yeah. And I'm happy they are. And I forgot we actually did this to be honest with you. Yeah, I was doing a computer hard drive, like look at the biggest files on your computer thing. And all these files came up and I'm like, oh my gosh, we never did anything with this. And I had so much fun recording this thing that I, I hit you up and I'm like, we got to put this out. And luckily you were amenable to that. And I think knock on wood, this is the announcement of this being a somewhat ongoing series. Am I correct? I think so. This is going to be our regular thing. I I you know, I, I paused my own podcast for the last 13 months. Um, so I'm not really doing much. Not that I don't want to do a podcast anymore. I, every month I say, okay, this is the month I restart my own podcast, but this rolling the dice with D and D this thing, we've got you and I together is a kick in the pants for me. Um, so I'm, I'm embracing it. Well, that's what I'm hoping. I love your podcast. So I'm hoping this, you know, slowly but surely in your own time brings you back to doing, you know, your, your show. But in the interim, I will do, I will, I will force you to kind of, uh, well, not force you, but I will drag you along <laughs> to talk about records each and every week. And I was thinking probably the best place to direct people is, is, you know, your, your record collecting Instagram, right? That's right. Yeah. That would be, uh, out of everything we do as a band, that next level record collecting on Instagram at next level record collecting Instagram is the closest thing that is connected to this kind of show we've got going. Absolutely. And so I do uh, a podcast as well, but this is going to be something different. This is going to be just us talking about, well, for me, it's going to be very much on brand because let's face it, I'm, I'm not about as deep as a puddle. Uh, when it comes to this stuff, but uh, for you, it's, it's all over the place. So this is a, this is the first one. And uh, I guess follow this podcast. Uh, I don't even know. You should, it feels weird saying follow this podcast with a video thing. So go to YouTube, check out roll the dice with D and D and we'll be back next week with episode two. Woo. Or should I have said that? No, it's perfect. We'll end on the woo. All right, we're we're recording now. So uh, this is the first one of these. This is going to be a uh, uh, like a, a demo, right? This is like our, our our demo episode. I think so, but if it's you know if we knock it out of the park, 
This is for real. Yeah. So if people are seeing this right now, we fucking nailed this. Right. <laughs> but if not, you know, this is the test run. Uh, but uh, I guess welcome to, uh, what, what should we call this thing? Do we have a name even for this? Well, you pitched to me D&D. D&D is good. I think roll the dice with D and D is a is a a pretty a pretty cool idea for the name of the show. But just in case you you didn't want to go with that, I didn't want to force it upon you. But I guess we're now kind of agreeing that this is the name oh, of the show. Oh yeah, I mean, I thought you meant you wanted to do a D and D show, Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> yeah. show, and I was in on that as well. I, was I know, all ready for that. That's why you know I love you for a lot of reasons, buddy. But like the fact that you were willing to ride with me. When I was like pitching you on a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, I, like I was like, "Oh my gosh, you got faith! You got faith in this thing." Well, I was just wondering who was going to be the dungeon master because I just don't want to be. Yeah, no, and I think I think you know Dungeons and Dragons is one of those things that I like to talk about playing again. But every time I actually sit down and think about the logistics involved, I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to play this thing. Same with me. Uh, but this is a show where uh, we are going to kind of uh, get to explore our personal record collections and share with each other some of our, our discoveries along the way that we've made. And, uh, you know, because you, you are obviously a master record collector yourself. And uh, Thank you. Thank you. You, you, you. And you are... As well, I mean, you have a an impressive collection. I I definitely have like I didn't lose my virginity until I was twenty, so I had a lot of time to just fixate on vinyl, you know. And a lot of people are out there exploring their bodies and exploring life. I was in my room exploring seven inches of pleasure in the former <laughs> records. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I remember being, uh, you know, broke and just obsessing over a $5 record that I was going to get on Friday, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and it better still be there. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing, you know. Oh, there are definitely times where it was like, well, you know, if I, if I just eat pasta with tomato sauce for the whole week, I could completely go down the street and buy this incredibly at the time expensive record but now looking back on it my gosh were we getting deals oh yeah i mean it, it's it's so true i i i, I uh, you know over time and i guess this show will prove um my taste in vinyl collecting and record buying slowly changed and changed again and now it's to this thing where i don't even know what i'm I, I don't know what I'm looking for anymore. I just know when I see it. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I, I really, I don't really buy that much online. Um, right now, I should be because that's, I guess, really the only way to get records. Um, yeah. But I think for me, it's it's offered an opportunity to kind of like finally stop and breathe for a second and actually go through my records. You know? Right, right. <laughs> it, go on. Well, I, I'm doing the same, but I'm getting rid of stuff. Yeah. I know I got a record from your collection still that I got to pick up that from the pre-lockdown time I put yeah. aside because, you know. I should have just given it to you right then and there. I think I forgot it at your house. I think you Is said. Is that what it was? Yeah, you're yeah. like, take it with you. And I, you know, forgot it. And now I will have to listen to that Len record when this thing's finally over. I, I was going to say it, you know. I wasn't going to pretend like I was too cool. Oh, there's no shame. I, I, no. I have 
no nothing to hide. Uh, I'm proud of my records. Uh, proud of what I'm getting rid of and what comes in and out. I don't care. And Len is the only group, uh, as we've discussed off air, that can link Mal Havoc to Biz Marquis. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's like the only, like, I, you know, that's, and that's pretty cool. Like I would say two pioneers in their respective genres linked by a pioneer in the pop genre. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, but we have, we're going to be talking each week. I guess we're going to take a, a, a record or a series of records, right. And discuss it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can choose one of the records from, okay, yes, I've chosen a series of records for this uh, debut show, but I'll, I'll focus in on one of the, the records from the series. I've got, I've got a series two to discuss and uh, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to focus in on, on one, but I think there's a lot for us to discuss in these records. And I think the thing about these records is we're going to bring it into all of our interests today. It's going to touch on our mutual love of punk rock. And I'm even going to bring in my less love, but your very much love glam rock into this conversation as well. Yes. I mean, I am a glam rock, LA glam rock fan. No shame again. No, no, nothing. I love it. And, uh, I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. I like no effects. So believe me, there's no shame in this conversation (laughs) whatsoever. So, um, shall we move on to, uh, should we toss a record to decide who goes first? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I think so. I have a 45 close at hand that I can just re- reach over and grab. That will be flippable. I'm near the books and CDs, so I can flip a book. But no, I got, I've got this 45 here. This is, uh, the band that was George Pettit, myself, Chris O'Toole, uh, who hosts footnotes with me and Ian, uh, Keo from, uh, Attack in Black. This was our group that we had together. I wow. Actually, Still, I'm sitting on a, a shit ton of these, so I can spare one for the flip. <laughs> uh, so, do you want B side or A side? I'll choose B side. Okay. We got A side. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go first this time. All right. All right, let's start off. I went with, uh, I had a last minute shift because a lot of the artists I wanted to discuss today uh, in my research turned out to be problematic in putting it mildly. And so (laughs) at the last second, I decided because you're going with a series that I wanted to go with a series too. And I picked the Montreco, uh, punk rock series. Now you probably have seen these 45s over the years because this is the sleeve that it looks like. Right. Normally. Right. Um, I mean, it's, Vaguely familiar. I can't say that it jumps out at me. Okay, well, there's four records that were put out in this series, and the and the four records are just like the most random assortment of punk records. They did this, and they also did a compilation, but the four punk rock records in this series were a Vile Tones 12-inch, uh, a 12-inch by a Northern Irish punk band called um, uh, Pretty Boy Floyd and the Gems, and a 12-inch by The Action from Ottawa, which that's the only record that was exclusive. All the rest of these are kind of licensed. And a 12-inch by Venus and the Razorblades. So it's like four records that have absolutely nothing to do with each other, geographically, sonically. like, And I guess they could all loosely be called punk. So 
Normally when you find these records, it's just that generic sleeve that I showed you. These are ones that I've tracked down, and this took me forever to track down, uh, that have the covers. They did like a limited number with actual covers, and so I think it took me about 15 years, I think, before I had them all, you know, in just various places picking them up. The Vile Tones, I've never found with an actual cover. I don't think they ever made one, but I did find one day at Sonic Boom one that someone had made themselves for it, you know? This, oh, wow, that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it's like a fan-drawn picture with a little picture of Steve Lucky over here, uh, a.k.a. Nazi Dog. Uh, so right. Featuring the uh, the three, I don't know, like definitive punk songs of the mm -hmm. first wave of Toronto punk right. on there. Um, and yeah, this is a, this for the longest time was the easiest way to find this Vile Tones record because these, I don't know how many were pressed, um, I think probably a few because you would see these popping up. The story of Montreco is this was like a sub-label of Montreco Records, same name, uh, that put out all sorts of weird stuff, including um, the, the like prog rock band, new wave prog rock band, Mobius. Uh, they put out like, you know, a lot of French Canadian sort of uh, singer songwriter stuff and, and disco records and things like that. And, and the, according mm. to legend, allegedly, it is a mob front, or it was a mob front. It went out, uh -huh. of, it went out of business a long time ago, so <laughs> I don't I don't think any, they're putting out anything soon. But I guess these were just like cash-ins on punk rock, like trying to get in on that trend as it was kind of hitting. And uh, it, they are they are amazing. Like the the records that they picked are you know once again completely unconnected, but they are all fascinating in their own right. Action were an Ottawa punk band. Uh, they claim to be the first Canadian punk band ever, and they say they have recordings from 73 that, like, predate Teenage Head and all this sort of stuff. Um, Is that out? Yeah, Did you can get that. They were they were interviewed by Steve Perry on Steve Perry's uh, radio show, uh, and it's an incredible interview where the lead singer, I think it was Greg Dick, actually, who did the interview, um, is making all sorts of claims, and then the recordings came out, and it's like... I don't know if you'd really call it punk, the stuff they were doing super early right. on, but this is an incredible record. TV on the Blink being the standout track on this thing. Um, and uh, yeah, th this is the only record that they ever got out at the time. You see flyers for them and, and show posters, and they did play Toronto back in the day. I think they might have even played the legendary Crash and Burn Club. Uh, the Vile Tones, who we discussed, you know, Steve Leckie, infamous, <laughs> infamous band. Do you have any run-ins with him ever? Yes, uh, I'd say maybe twice. Okay. Uh, he because JC and our band uh, knows him as well before me. But uh, there was one time he came to our show, and he gave me um, a crystal skull. What? Which I have. <laughs> I don't think I've ever told anyone this. And he goes, he held it in his his hand his fist and he just grabbed my hand and he put it in my hand he goes i give you my power and i have that in a special box at home that is amazing that is yeah. wild i've i've had a uh, one time fucked up got the reunited vile tones to play one of our um halloween shows that we used to do oh amazing yeah and it was it was it was like amazing i was so excited to see him you know because i didn't go to any yeah. of the other reunion shows which i really regret now um, and so I was like, you know, getting ready, they get on stage, they all set up, you know, and it was, um, you know, like kind of like an all-star band of like, but good players. And they're like, where's Steve? 
and Steve Lecky had just gone home. <laughs> he decided he didn't want to play the show and just Whoa. didn't tell anyone in the band. So they set up all the gear on stage only to find out that he wasn't going to play. But that was the second time that I really met him. He used to come into the video store I worked at and then one day um, showed up with a copy of the first 7-inch and then sent me on a mission to find mushrooms. And it it was a it was a very weird trip for a straight-edge guy to go on. But <laughs> Wow, but you got that story out of it, though. <laughs> yeah, and I did get the first Volatone 7-inch that day. Like, oh, oh, okay, so he, he gave it to you. In exchange for magic mushrooms. Right, right. You know. Oh, wow. And I was, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, I didn't know anyone. I was, like, straight-edge at that point. I had no idea how to get mushrooms and, like. He's asking, like, how do you do these? I'm like, I, I, how do you not know? You're like, you're like the guy with the Volatones. He asked you how to do them. Yeah, yeah. It was really, it was a very surreal moment. Like, at first he shows up and he gives me the seven inch and he's like, okay, what I'm going to do for you, you know, if you can complete what I want, it's, it's going to make this look like garbage. Like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you just gave me the first seven. And she's like, yeah. He's like, you're a mover and shaker. You're a guy who can get shit done, right? And I'm like... Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And he's like, yeah, you're like the guy, you know, because I got this new band. He starts talking about this new band. So I think he just wants a show, right? So I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, dude, I can help you out. I can help you out totally. He's like, yeah, because you're a guy who can get shit done. And I'm like, I guess so. And he's like, yeah, like you're the type of guy that if I call at like 9 o'clock and say I need some magic mushrooms, you could be like, bam, I got magic mushrooms for you. I'm like, I don't think I could do that. He's like, okay, well, I'll see you at 9. Get the magic mushrooms. Wow. <laughs> And, uh, That's great. I did. I did. So that was my room with, with Steve. Um, but the one I wanted to talk to you about is, do you know this band at all? Venus and the Razorblades? No, I don't. I do not. This was a band that Kim Fowley put together. The lead singers, two lead singers, one was 14 and one was 17. Um, they kind of came out at the same time as the as the Runaways. Like, they 76, they were put together. Obviously... Kim Fowley is someone who has is, is, uh, been kind of exposed for being a real abusive figure in recent years. Yeah. Uh, so I have never read anything about anyone in this band involving this band, but to be fair, there could be some darkness in this record as well. Uh, Ronnie Lee, the guitar player, she actually wrote uh, the uh, Where the Boys Are for The Runaways. Like That actually was their song originally, which became a hit in Japan. Like It was like a gold record for... Uh, for um, the Runaways at some point. Uh, and the drummer on this record is Nikki Beat, who uh, played in the original lineup of L.A. Guns. Whoa. That's pretty cool. He was also in The Germs, and he was also uh, in The Weirdos as well. Right, wow. And then also on this record, the I, th I think it was Ronnie Lee. Maybe it's Ronnie Lee. Someone on this record, I'm pretty sure it's Ryan Lee, also wrote Big City for the Dead Boys. Which, wow. Yeah, which on the second record. Which, I didn't realize that a lot of the songs on that Dead Boys second record weren't written by them. You know, like between the Rock from the Tomb songs, and I think they do a Stones cover, and this, it's like, wow, that, that was a record where they were just like, uh, we got nothing, let's just get sometimes, some songs. Yeah, sometimes that's, <laughs> you walk into a studio... And uh, you want to walk out of there with something. Yeah, yeah, and they did. They well, I like that Dead Boy second record. A lot of people hate it, but I, I do. I do enjoy that record. Um, and Pretty Boy Floyd and the Gems were on Rip Off Records, which is the other Northern Ireland punk record label. Like Rip uh, Rip Off Records is always going to be second to Good Vibrations. Uh, 
Right. Good Vibrations right. did the undertones, did Rudy, did like a lot of the biggest records. And I guess Rip Off Records was kind of considered uh, like kind of like a bunch of glam dudes that weren't really part of the scene playing it. This record rips, though. I love this album. Um, not to be confused with the other Pretty Boy Floyd, who I think is... With a... the L.A. Pretty Boy Floyd, right? Exactly. So I, I knew you'd know that. <laughs> I think I, I know them. Well, I can't remember the, the guitarist's name now. It escapes me, but from the L.A. Anyways, whatever. But, uh, wow. Yeah, but those. this is the... Anyway, the, these were the records I kind of wanted to, you know, just hip you to. Um, next time you see them, you know, this is normally how they come. If you find one with a sleeve, pick it up, because that is a find. So there was only four of these in this series, but the label itself had a lot more different kinds of musics. Yeah, that they that they released. Yeah, right? yeah, like not not a lot of great stuff in my experience. Like I picked up a couple other records outside of the series, and it's not really been hitting for me <laughs> in any sort of way. They also put out a punk compilation LP that I think is just all these twelve inches comped. Right. Um, called Permanent Wave. Well, what what's the deal with it being such heavily Canadian? I think because it was Montreal, right? And it's just like mobbed up and they were just like the easiest artists to get. Like I just, the thing I don't know is like, it, it's almost like they just like ran their finger down like a review section in some sort of like trouser press. And they're just like, okay, let's just reach out to these bands. Or maybe these right. were just the bands that wrote back and were like, yeah, sure, you can have the license. Right. Um, I get the action would be the weirdest one to find out because that's the only one where it's like an exclusive record. Like everything else, they probably just license the masters for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, these things are, uh, you know, they do show up occasionally and they're, and they're still reasonably priced when you find them in, at record stores here, but they are becoming more and more collectible because, you know, I don't, you know, I, I think there were probably, you know, a thousand press maybe, but I love the photos too. They all have a very similar look, and whoever did the Vile Towns kept with the, the look. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was wondering, is this maybe a prototype for a real cover? That's what I like to, to, to think, because they also have another version underneath. Oh, Jesus. Uh, That's super cool. That is super cool. I, got I mean, you know, being from Toronto, it's just a cool thing to have. It's, you know, yeah. the Vile Towns one especially. Yeah. No, I think... Uh, um, a friend of mine also gave me Steve Leckie's old, uh, American express card that I have. It's expired. So don't worry. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not spending it on anything, <laughs> but, uh, oh, that's and I, I want to say that I, Steve has been nothing but kind to our band. So he's one I of mean... the greatest, uh, he's a, he's a legend. Like, you know, like I'm not, uh, like I subsequently have done mushrooms now and, and it's awesome. So he was, he was definitely hit me to that too. <laughs> Um, it's so funny about the vile tones though, because so when uh, a couple years ago, I went to DC on a road trip, like we did a turned out a punk live tour and right. at the night after we performed, we went to the discord house and basically, uh, just punished our way in and Ian like, um, under, uh, we're talking about the vile tones and he's like, we know we're in the warehouse and he's like, you got to come into the main house. I want to play you something. And he played me a song that was from the first ever bad brain show with HR singing. Cause I don't think they ever played before him though. So this might be the actual legit first bad brain show. And, uh, they cover screaming fist by screaming the fist. I knew that. Did I know that from you? I knew that in Henry's book. I think he talks about it too. And like, you know, that annotated, 
like um, fanatic. Fanatic. He talks about it in fanatic and stuff, and it's it's you know so it's so wild to think. And then like recently talking to Brian Baker for the podcast. He also was like, oh, that, that that's a huge record for us. And it's funny because when you hear it, like obviously the Bad Brains are the most unique band ever and like the band that revolutionized hardcore and took it to another level. But you can, you know, and that's not to take anything away from this when I say this, but like you can definitely hear the influence that the Vile Tones would have had on that sound. Like obviously they took it to a different place, but mm-hmm. it's still like, oh shit, like that makes sense. Like I can hear that in there. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like, so those are, uh, that's my first entry to our, our little record club that we're starting here. That's great. I, I love how you start with a, a Toronto band too, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and I, we will eventually get to the 666, uh, and brother Lynch and the funky blue velvet 45, but yeah, you, you mentioned that we'll give it a little more, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to that point where I can, you know, we, we got a, a lot of stuff to get. There's a lot to unpack in that record. So. We'll just leave it with these four. That's great. That's great. I'm I'm really liking this. I think it's fun, you know. Like by I, the way, I, I yeah. like I'm having a good time. You know, this is exactly you and me have this these conversations on the phone, and now it just feels like bringing our real life conversation into the fake internet world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's my turn. Yes. And uh, it's good that you went first because I think it was great for me to watch you do it, watch you work. So I'm going to do some – I'm going to lay it out very similar to how you just laid it out. Okay, absolutely. And so I've chosen a series as well, and these are the co-star, the record acting game series. It's a game? Well, they call it a game, but there's no game involved other than <laughs> – trying to keep up with the recording of the actor and and slipping in your line. So each one of these come with a, um, of course, the record, but each one of these, this is the Vincent Price one, it comes with a script. Oh. Um, someone tore off the cover of this one, but you've got all your lines here, and it tells you who what character you're playing. And, uh, of course, in the series... They, uh, the first version came out in 57, and then they released it again in 77, okay. I believe. 77, yeah. So 20 years later, they re-released all these albums. There's 15 in the series. Now, I have six. And I've said, uh, they're hard to come by, but I've said um, when I get the whole series, I'm done collecting records. That has just been my quiet thing. I've told it to a couple of people. Um, and then I posted about it recently saying, that's it. Once I get all 15, I'm done. And they were stars back in the 50s. And it was a, it was on CoStar Records, which was a subsidiary of Roulette Records, which was also mm-hmm. apparently run by the mob. And so the mob had the 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 clout to lure all these people to do this series. Some of them were over the hill actors looking for work. And I think the diamonds in the collection are the Vincent price. There's Pearl Bailey, um, Donna Michi. If you're a trading places fan, um, a lot of these people are, were huge stars in the thirties and the forties. So I, it's, it's before my time. So I really don't, unless they have a connection to, 
today, I really don't know who they are. There's a Arlene Dahl. I have the Arlene Dahl album. The Arlene Dahl, and she does scenes from Casablanca. And Arlene Dahl is the uh, the mother of Lorenzo Lamas. Whoa! And she, she was married to Fernando Lamas, and so so th- th- there's all these little tidbits about these people. Um, the first of the co-star series I got, I got a very very long time ago in a in a record store on Lakeshore Boulevard in Toronto called uh, Vinyl Museum, Peter Dunn's Vinyl Museum. One of the two locations, right? They had, or maybe they had three. They had one on Bloor Street. On Bloor, Lake yeah. Bloor and yeah. Uh, but the big one was on Lakeshore, and Peter Dunn worked there himself, and he sold me this. Um, Who's that? So this is the first co-star album I got. It's starring Maxie Rosenblum, who was a boxer-turned-actor who is now in a few boxing hall of fames in the States. I guess we can, and, we know why he was doing a mobbed-up record. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's, it's too obvious the connections yeah. there. Um, but this was my first one. And it really set me, um, when I found this record, I, after this trip to the uh, Vinyl Museum on Lakeshore, actually with someone I think people in Toronto know, Matt Galloway, mm-hmm. who probably forgets about our trip together, but we both went to the, <laughs> the Vinyl <laughs> Museum together. To, to, and so Matt, you know, he came back with, a lot of people in Toronto who listen to Matt on the radio now on CBC don't realize just how next 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 level a music fan matt is i mean he he keeps it close to the vest he'll talk about the current you know grammy nominated artists but this matt goes so deep so anyways matt walked out of there with i think two or three records and you know one of them i remember being a a, an early dinosaur junior album i walked out of there with this album under my arm the boom boom washington solo album lauren hilton jacobs solo album and um, a Batman record, and some other other records I can't remember. But it was the those three records are really what set me off on what I still do to this day, which is finding these kitschy next level records. And it was the Maxi Rosenblum uh, record that set me off. And then since then, I must say and give a shout out to Aaron Keel because Aaron recently found this for me and sent it to me. And um, he does the Toronto Record Show in Toronto. And I told uh, Aaron uh, maybe a couple of years ago that I, I collect these records. So since that time, he's been on the lookout for the Vincent Price one. Um, and so there's other ones. There's Pearl Bailey. Uh, there's, um, uh, like I said, Don Amici. Uh, there's uh, Cesar Romero has one. And you basically, you you put the record on and there's a script that you follow from scenes from novels and plays and movies of their day from the fifties and you act it out. The only problem is sometimes I guess what I found out in doing these scenes is that I'm an over actor. You've done them. I've done them a couple of times. It's, you know, it's something you just, <laughs> yeah, you have to. You just want to collect and you just want to make sure you have, but to actually go through the script with the actors, I, I don't know. I, I'm a, I think I'm over the hill for that. But the times I've done it, I just, I, I don't. Ha- they don't give me enough time to deliver my line before the they start saying the next line. There's, there's space. Yeah. They say the line, then there's space for you to say your line. 
and then they say the line. And uh, I realized maybe I'm just an overactor because I'm, I think, not finished the line. I'm, I have dramatic pauses and it just doesn't work. You just got to pitch it down. Yeah. Do like a, so. a screwed and chopped version of these co-star records. So, I, so these are the records that I, I, uh, I have. Yeah. So um, the reason why I think you can find these, uh, they're around even though they came out in 57, is because of the re-release of the series in 77 by Roulette. So I think a lot of these are from the second... Uh, pressing? Version. Yeah, the second pressing. Is there a way to tell? Um, like, Is there like a, a any sort of difference in the... It might be like a copyright thing at the bottom, maybe? or Not that I can, fi- not that I can find, yeah. but I, I do note here that uh, this record was produced by... Hugo and Luigi, and that's all that is. That is all that is, is mentioned. By the, so I, I, I really that they don't really give you too much to to go with. But uh, there's 15 of them in there, and I don't know these kinds of records. I'm a sucker for. Yeah. I mean, I have a few of these kinds of records in my collection. But Do you have the big. There's a big black one, right? Where like you read the script for the interview, and they answer the questions for you. Oh my God. It just sounds like something they would do. Um, but they probably got it from this yeah. series like Albert Brooks, the comedian, he did a spoof on this series as well. So it made the rounds, but I wish they would reboot it and do it again with contemporary actors as a goof. But you know, who I think I'd be the only one to buy it. I, so. I can now I want to do a duet record where you like do you like leave the other person's part blank so you, and then you send the the lyrics so you're like singing and you can like everyone can do a different version of that record at home that's an amazing idea that is an amazing idea <laughs> and then use the font of use the font so, yeah you know you can kind of bridge together where you got the idea come that yell with amazing. me yeah come yell oh, with me my God. That would be amazing. It would be the judge judge should do that. Yeah, exactly. so, like that would be another, that would be the logical next thing in the judge judge kind of world. Yeah. Well, that's what, uh, you know, that's going to be the first thing to come out of this, uh, collaboration that we're doing. We're going to have this new singing record. <laughs> I didn't get to show you the other ones in the collection. So here's Virginia Mayo, uh, in scenes from the motion picture, the girl from Jones beach. I've, I don't know these, I don't know these, uh, movies and, uh, there's June Havoc and, uh, another one that I recently got in the series, uh, oh, I don't have it here. It's still in, oh, it's still on the shelves, but it was, um, it was, um, uh, Tallulah Bankhead. Tallulah uh, her, Bankhead. Yeah. Her, her co-star album is fantastic. Um, so she lived a crazy life. Uh, just personally speaking, Tallulah Bankhead lived a crazy life. She was she apparently smoked 120 cigarettes a day. Whoa. She was addicted to drugs and alcohol. And this is, I think, in the 30s. And uh, I guess she bragged about her sex life back then, and she created a huge hubbub. But I was most impressed with the 120 cigarettes a day that she smoked, and she fostered children. And uh, she was a television movie star, and she put out one of these records as well. I have it. I wish I could show you. Man, I thought I 
picked it out here. But anyways, Tallulah Bankhead's What was she in? Album. Like I know she I I've no I've seen shit with her in it. Uh she was just on radio and Broadway okay. and television. Again, a lot of these actors, unless they did something in you know, the kind of contemporary mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. I I have no connection with. Arlene Dahl, Lorenzo Lamas's uh, mom, who I have her record, is still alive. Oh wow. Um, yeah, and I believe uh, June Havoc just died in 2010 at the age of 97. So they're they're still around. I'm sure you can get the story of co-star records out of them. Yeah, but uh, a lot of them I don't I don't know the work they did, and apparently from my research they were all kind of over the hill already. Except for you know Vincent Price is the diamond of the collection because, you know, people still love uh, Hilarious House of Frankenstein mm-hmm. and they know him from Thriller and, of course, you know, all the horror movies he starred in. And he's such a such a great character that li- lives on, he, you know. He kind of strikes me as someone who just would have done anything. Like, will the check clear? Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Vincent Price was the one I really wanted. Yeah. Um, is there, now that I have them, I want the other one. Is there an Orson Welles one or like, no, he was too big time yeah, for this. Yeah. You know, they just had like, you know, Basil Rathbone and, <laughs> and June Havoc. And I mean, you know, I don't know these people. There's Jimmy Rogers though, who was the singer. He wasn't even an actor and he was signed to roulette. So uh, if your bosses tell you to do this acting record, you do the you acting. Do <laughs> <laughs> what is Cesar Romero? That's a Joker, right? In the sixties Batman, I believe so. Yeah, like he was the him and um, Pearl Bailey and Vincent Price. Those were the names uh, that and Don Amici because of Trading Places for me. Yeah, but uh, Don Amici also did other things. Uh, I believe he was Sherlock Holmes uh, in, in some series, but I could be wrong. Uh, or was it someone else? Anyways, you know, you, you kind of know these people, but it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't an Orson Welles in the series at all. Like, mm-hmm. like someone like a Yul Brynner, no, no one like that. He would have been there eventually, Orson Welles. If that series had come out, like, in the 70s, as opposed to just being repressed in the 70s, because he wasn't oh, yeah. doing fish stick commercials and stuff. <laughs> the the, uh, the uh, outtakes are, are incredible. legendary. Incredible. Yeah. Celebrities at their worst might be one of the greatest CDs I've ever heard. Do you ever have that? I don't. I, I don't have it. I probably heard a lot of those yeah. tracks though that have made the rounds. Yeah. Um, Barry White is that part of that? Pro. I think Barry White was um, Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem that- one. Yeah. There's the the one with um, uh, Jerry Lewis where someone calls his office and and he picks up. And like, and the person's like, oh, I'm a really good friend of Jerry. And he's like, oh, you are really? And he's like, oh yeah, where'd you know him from? Like pretending like the whole time. And then James Brown's, uh, interrogations on there too. The one, oh. are you high? No, I'm not high. Yeah, I'm high. <laughs> it's like, and, but there, that Orson Welles one, you know, it, the outtakes from that <laughs> commercial are incredible. Oh, uh, they're, they're amazing. I, I love those. I love the, I mean. The Casey Kasem one really made Negative Land. I mean, yeah. if you remember that whole U2 Negative Land uh, debacle. But, uh, yeah, just based on Casey Kasem outtakes from America's Top 40, I believe. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, those are great. William Shatner as well. There's some great outtakes from William Shatner. Has anyone ever asked you too about that Negative Land thing now? Like, I wonder if it's ever been brought up to them in like modern times. Yes, uh, they have. Uh, and it was one of the guys in Negative Land who pretended to be someone else and they kind of jumped the edge on a radio interview that I have somewhere. And what Negative Land did recently was put out a lot of files that people could download and create their own mixes, which I did. Oh, you did? I have, Yeah, I have a Negative Land version of, of uh, the U2 thing that I made myself that maybe I can release. I don't know. I think if Negative Land came after me, that would be hypocritical. I don't think they would come after you at all. I'd be yeah. worried, though, about U2 still. Yeah, it, so I don't use any U2 music okay. in my mix. I used uh, uh, interviews of <laughs> The Edge <laughs> and Bono, and uh, that's what I used. And also uh, used, jeez, um, uh, there's something online, and I grabbed it from YouTube, where one of the guys from Negative Land uh, attacks the... Uh, REM manager for snitching on them. Anyways, there's some kind of crazy what? stuff. Like yeah, you can find it on YouTube. It's and he, the Negative Land guy, accuses him of ruining his career. It's great. Wow. Yeah. Damn. There's also this band Paranoid Vision <laughs> that put out a YouTube diss record in defense of Negative Land back in the oh, day. Oh, good. <laughs> like an anarcho oh, band great. from England. Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, I there's so much about you two that. I know people love and I just, just knowing about the negative land is just tainted everything about them for me. Yeah. No, there was like, if you were kind of from like any sort of punk leaning or, or like outsider music leaning kind of circle, you hated you too long before they put their record on your iTunes. Oh, and when that happened, I just, I, I lost my mind. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I did a, I did an Instagram post and, and I, people were going, what's the big deal? It's for free. And it's like, well, negative land, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. It goes deep. It runs deep. It does. It definitely does. And I think that's like, you know, that's that like college radio in you coming out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. That's how you know Matt Galloway, right? He used to. Didn't he do, he was like a CIA or CKLN. He was a CHRY. sorry, yeah. And his, his show is called Autopsy Turvy. Oh, man. The Autopsy Turvy Show. And my show was called The Great Big Backward Show that eventually became The Seminal Load Show. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> I would love to get tapes of these shows. Like, that's that shit's rare because, like, unless someone was sitting at home running like a, a tape deck with a radio, there's no archive of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I have a few shows, but not everything. I don't think I have a single appearance of myself on mods and rockers at all. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, we try, I tried taping it, but then it's the tape. I mean, I didn't have any money to keep buying mm -hmm. blank tapes, mm -hmm. so I couldn't do it. Um, but there is one infamous interview I still have, although the tape is warped now, of Matt Galloway and I interviewing Henry Rollins. What is he? And that, that is, if it ever was, would be released, would be pretty legendary. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's uh, he's been ducking me yeah. for years on being interviewed, and like for years and years. So um, you know, if you ever need a forum to release that one, hey, turn out a punk is lacking a Henry Rollins interview. Well, see, my podcast, I did a, I did a Henry Rollins episode. Yeah, you did one, yeah. Yeah, and I kind of cornered him, and you know, to his credit, he was, he ended up being. You know, he, he, he put up with me. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And and I don't know if I would be the same way if I was in his position. So fair fair enough. I, I mean, thanks to Henry for that. So, yeah. When we played uh, MTV the first time and shit, shit kind of hit the fan and people were smashing everything. And, and Steve Leckie was actually there at that show. And, uh, and uh Henry Rollins was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, like, we'll hang out after the show, blah, blah, blah. He left as soon as we started. As soon as everything really? Oh, man. <laughs> he bailed. He bailed. Um. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, but he was cool enough with me where I can, you know, go about. Oh, it was nice of him to. It was it was good talking to him. But, of course, I and I knew what angle to approach him with, which is the angle of this show, which is records and yep. record collecting and odd and weird and noise records so you know that's that's how to get them i think well maybe we got to get them on this show one day in the future because we'll have guests on this thing eventually yeah that would be fantastic when we run into records from our own collection but i don't think that might that might take a while (laughs) it'll be a few episodes before that i already am planning episode two and three in my head i think i have my episode two record selected so uh Um, so I guess we should say where people can find us otherwise. Otherwise. Okay. Um, well, I have a podcast, like we mentioned, it's called, uh, the Danko Jones podcast. It's on Spotify and SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, I also have a Regal Beagle podcast about three's company, which you've been on mm-hmm. and you've been on the other one too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is on only iTunes and then um, I'm in a band, and we put out a record called A Rock Supreme. So that's our latest album. Um, I do a podcast called Turn It A Punk. Uh, I'm at Left For Damien on social media. Turn It A Punk is, is yeah, like all the places Danko mentioned. Uh, I've sing in a band called Fucked Up, but we're not doing too much. Oh, we got a bunch of records on uh, eBay right now that are going to... Uh, uh, COVID relief for people in prisons. Um, so check those auctions out. Uh, you can find at fucked up for more details and I'll, I'll put it on my socials too. Uh, and that, th- I guess that's it for me. Is there anything else you want to have add or I'm good. This has been a lot of fun. I, I, any chance to talk records with you is fun. And it's a kind of a, it went down exactly what I thought it was going to go down. Mm-hmm. Like, which is like a, like a, like a show and tell. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like this, this was like, uh, you know, when I pictured, how could this work? And it's like, well, th- th- it, exactly like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I guess, uh, see everyone next week on the show. Can't wait. All right.
we got caught up and, and started having a podcast off the record again. So, <laughs> uh, but you were just saying like, talking there's about a, yeah, the importance of like appreciating all this stuff. There, there's a point in time. It was, it was weird because I hadn't talked to Joe for some years. Right. Yeah. A while. And then we got back together. Like so you reached out to me or something and it was like, you called me, I think. Did you reach yeah, out to me? Yeah, I did. I called you. And it was like, oh, Joe, I hadn't talked to you. It was like this thing we met up and we we're talking. And it was like this whole thing of like, like almost like tears almost. I mean, I'm just saying that because it was like, but it was yeah. this appreciation of like, dude, how do you not have your friends from way back? You can't forget about those people because you start going places and you, you get lost in a way. And then it's like, you mm-hmm. got to get grounded. It's like, you got to have that grounding. And, and that's what it is. It's like, it, it's, it's very grounded. And I was like, totally touched by them. I'm like, oh yeah, dude, we haven't talked for a while. It was like, holy good. We were friends like thick and thin. Yeah. You went off on your own and so you got to do your thing. But it's like, nah, dude, I got to come back and be with my real people. And it was like, that's kind of cool. That was like one of those things that, you know, we, we touched on that at the Vans thing, like how that's real, dude. That's like the real deal stuff. And um, yeah, I, and it is like these, these true friendships that you have with people, regardless of where they are in life. It's like your station doesn't make you change from who you were when we met you way back when. We've been friends for over, as we were saying, we've been friends for over 30 years, right? That's Yep. That's crazy. So, um, and even after all this, even after I'm like retired from medicine and I'm, you know, working at a comic store or something or whatever I'm doing, <laughs> it's like, I'm still going to be your friend and, and, you know, and you're still going to have the invite to come out, you know, hang out, you know, it, it's like, my wife knows that my kids know that it's like, they know how close we are. Everybody knows that, which is kind of yeah. a, a, a given. Um, and I just appreciate you for you. You know, regardless of being Joe from Rise Against, I mean, that's not even it. Because that, <laughs> like, like I said, when these people come up and talk to me and they're like, oh my God, you know this guy? I'm like, yeah, I've known him for 30 years and you, you have no idea. I could say something and we start laughing. <laughs> you have no idea what we're talking about. You'll think we're the stupidest people ever. Like you're a doctor and he's like this like big star. I'm like, yeah, but we're going to say something that is 30 years in the making that you oh, yeah. never even understand. And it's like that kind of thing that we can just enjoy, which I, which I appreciate a thousand times over. Yeah. There's like yeah. nothing, there's nothing like it other than maybe religion where you can have like this thing that you kind of carry with you for your whole life, you know? And that's like, that winds up being this weirdly, oddly guiding sense of principles, even when you're rejecting it, you know, like Tim Heidecker was on and talked about how he thought Ian Mackay and the sort of like vow of, DIY poverty anti-manager label stuff was all bullshit anti-success stuff was all bullshit but even he's reacting to it by rejecting it so it's something that he still carries with him to this day and it's like it's something that we all carry with us and like when you meet people again after all these years like you know it's it's crux of this podcast is that you can kind of bring people back to the same place because we're all really you know coming at the world from a similar maybe not place but certainly from a similar understanding of it through our years of schooling through music at least well that it's i think it's incredibly rewarding to listen to your guests on your show and especially like jeff tweedy like that 
you you could tell you you like lit that spark again in, in him like he was stoked like to talk about the old days and I, I loved hearing that or like you had I, I it's her name slipping me but but the Grey's Anatomy actress oh my god why am I blanking on this too um god, I gotta uh she grew up with like you know Harley and uh Brooke Smith <laughs> Brooke Smith yeah yes <laughs> That episode was insane to me. Like, like I, I was, but you're kind of reigniting these sparks, like in these people's lives, like that it's stuff that they haven't thought about probably in a long time. Not everybody, but some of these people you could tell they're like, or, or, um, um, see, I am totally Old. just brain farting. <laughs> like the kids in the hall actor. <laughs> Bruce McCullough. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God no, damn you're, it. You're right. Like it's funny because, like, especially with these people that went on to do, you know, and like, you know, like yourself too, like, but huge things in in music or other parts of pop culture, especially people that do it in other parts of pop culture, where they have this inkling in the back of their mind, like, yeah, the shit I was into was kind of cool, and it's kind of important, but it's so far removed from yeah. their everyday life that like you know what though i, I don't it's not to cut you off damien i think no, no, that please. the reality about it all that if you think about things that make people somewhat successful it is having that unique nature knowing like your 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 freak flag and flying it and, and having that stand out and a lot of that's what draws all of us into punk rock right like we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're like these outcasts in a way like we we don't always fit the same you know bend of that curve we're, we're, we're a little off on that and we see things differently and we want to march by a different drummer and mm-hmm. that's kind of our uniqueness is what we embrace that right yeah and i think once you embrace that uniqueness if you can incorporate that into your every day it's going to sustain you in a way that's different and it nourishes you and allows you to go through some adverse things because you can see it from a different angle and you can walk around it or go through it or go above it or, or you know, bash it. it. It's just that whole thing of embracing your uniqueness and embracing that kind of weird streak about you, embracing your weirdness that I think we in punk rock do really easy. And mm. I think yeah. it allows us to succeed in ways that other people don't. I, you know, I'm not trying to exclude us, but it's it's always there i think and, and and that's the unique thread i think through all of this is that we all embrace our inner weird which is cool yeah um, like no matter what mavericks. you're doing yeah. yeah no matter what you're doing i mean even even in you know my profession i still have to have that streak that makes it me you know unique to me you know i think of my form of medicine as a punk rock form of it because it's so anarchaic and it's so you know all over the place and you have to be able to really you know dive through this and break through and sometimes think outside of the box to figure out what's going on and you also have to capture an audience very quickly and engage with them so that they're going to tell you what's going on in the emergency department so that's kind of Mm -hmm. using my skills as a front man in a punk rock band to to navigate and do medicine in the best way that I can so I think all of us embrace that. So finding these people who are, you know, s- scattered around the world in differing professions, but we all have this commonality of our our, our roots in in this genre of music, this this feeling of, of, of a community that we have. I think makes us do so 
better and strive to, yeah. to do our, our, our best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and I think the back of your thesis, the guy who invented the Moderna vaccine is a punk rocker, apparently. See, there you go. Yeah. So it, is, it is maverick thinkers that are, you know, people that are true, like, you know, thinking outside the box, people that are doing, yeah, approaching things differently. And it's uh, DIY spirit. It's not yeah. like, how do you get, it's not a matter of like, Hey, we can't play shows. Like how are we going to play show? Let's do it. Let's figure out how to get this show done. You know, that's yeah. how it is. You know, yeah. it's not like we can't do it. It's like, we're going to do it. We're going to find a way to do it. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And that's what like, also like everyone who's carved like success through punk rock, like not, you know, obviously people that like wind up playing other types of music and stuff and finding success. But I mean, like any band that's like carved a path, to success in punk rock has had to carve their own path. Like there's no one, you know, like rise again, you guys aren't following anyone else's trail, you know, to, right. get to where you went, you know, and in the same way, like whatever someone wants to say about like follow boys music, whether they like it or not, like they did what they did on their own terms and, and, and uniquely sounding it. And they, there was no follow boy that they were following in the footsteps of it's like, totally. It's, it's like, right. kind of like, you got to make your own, you got to do it on your own terms, no matter what you're doing coming out of this thing. Yeah, Bow Weevils are taking over. Bow Weevils take over 2022. <laughs> well, we nice have talked. Enough. We have talked for a long time on the record and off the record. <laughs> and I gotta say, anytime you guys want to come back on together or separate, you know the door is always open here. Absolutely. Oh, oh yes. You wait to wait till uh, wait till a couple a couple of practices are under underway. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all right. How about how about we start a podcast and we're going to have Damien on our show? We should we should do that. We, we should we do go. that. I, 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 I'm ready. I'm ready. I got. You heard I, it here I, first, I, folks. You heard it here <laughs> first. 